This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey of Mississippi Today. If you're just joining us, uh, we've been talking, we're going to be talking with author, singer, songwriter, and Mississippi native Jenny Simmons about how you can master the power of saying no. Like Jenny, for instance, I have no brains whatsoever today. And so uh, you were listening while we were did and suddenly there was a big gap of space. And so I, I just wanted to apologize to everybody for that because obviously I have no sense whatsoever. Jenny, I'm really glad to talk to you today and I thank you for joining us. Well, it's so good to be here. I, my, I have family all over the state listening, and they're just, they think I'm on with a rock star. So. Oh, really? Oh, okay. That's a great Yeah, you've made, me, you've made me very cool right now with my family. <laughs> well, that's awesome. That's awesome. That, that, and, of course, you know, after this interview, I'm sure my family would be pretty impressed I got to talk to you, too. Now, you are from Mississippi. <laughs> what, part, what part of the, the state are you from? So I was, um, I grew up in Laurel. And my parents met at JCJC and got married. I had grandparents in Enterprise, so I spent a lot of time in Enterprise Meridian. And then um, my other grandpa uh, taught was a professor at USM and JCJC. So Ellisburg. Oh, so I'm kind of all in the middle. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. What what caused you to pick up roots? Now, I used to live in Tennessee, so I mean, I, maybe we just kind of canceled each other out. But um, what caused <laughs> you to pick up roots and head up north? Well, so my parents moved when I was um, I was in third grade. We moved to Texas, but my dad actually is um, he retired from the military. He started off at the base in Meridian, and um, and he never transferred over to the Texas base um, while I was growing up. So we would drive back to Mississippi once a month for him to go to guard drill my whole life. Um, oh my gosh. So we just we sort of yeah we went back and forth, and then and he just retired last year as the longest. Um, standing serving uh, service member in the Air National Guard and was like honored by the state of Mississippi and um, and so he was in for 43 years. Wow that's amazing. Yeah yeah. Well that's pretty darn cool. Yeah we we used to live in uh, Conroe Texas and so um, when we moved here our house hadn't sold so we got to make that trip a lot so yes that's a drive and (laughs) so I I just want to applaud you for doing that. You, you're, I mean, seriously, you're one of the most talented people I've come across. You, you do a lot of really cool things, and we're going to really deep dive into all of it. But you sing and you write. How do you pull that off? That's pretty impressive. <laughs> I don't know. I think, honestly, uh, my the singing is kind of down the list on things. And I, I started realizing when I'd get on stage that I did more storytelling than I did singing. And I liked that. I would dread the singing. But I would be so relieved when a song was finally over so I could just talk and tell a story. <laughs> yeah. And people would say, you should write that into a book. You should write. And so eventually enough people said that that I was like, well, maybe I, maybe I should try to write a book. I don't know how, but let's take a stab at it. So like one page at a time, right? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> well, I mean, on, on the storytelling part, are you, you know, you get out on the stage and I, I speak too. And it's one thing I've truly missed in the last year is with the pandemic yeah. is not being able to get out in front of audiences. Have you been, are you back out speaking now? I'm not out yet. Um, I've been doing, you know, stuff virtually on zoom, which, you know, I think as much as we all are zoomed out and tired of being online, can you, I can't imagine walking through this last year pre-internet, oh, no kidding. you know, yeah. <laughs> I just couldn't do it. 
Um, but I'm not back in person yet, and I'm the same way. I miss it. I, there, is, there is something about a room full of people. I, I think for the person on stage and for the people, it's just life-giving. So I'll, I'll be very happy when that gets back. It is great. I mean, when you're on the stage, people understand this. I always tell people it's kind of like a drug, but you're on that stage and you're mm-hmm. feeding off the energy of the crowd and you get to see people mm-hmm. smile and laugh and they come up to you afterwards yeah. and say how much it meant and so forth. And I know that's been the experience when you speak. I've, I've seen some of your videos. You're very, very good at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you, let's go back to the writing a little bit. What, you know, you yeah. said that, you know, the stories in between the songs kind of became your kind of your motivation to write books. Tell us a little bit about your book. Yeah. Yeah, well, so I have three books um, now. I have this children's book that's about to come out. My first two books, though, are about, um, you know, they're just really about the journey of life and the, the way that seasons change. And um, and I realized, I, I realized that I was sometimes more painfully honest on stage than people could tolerate. Either people came up afterwards and were like, thank you, thank you, thank you, I'm in the same boat. Or they just sort of looked at me like I was a weird little alien, you know, like, we don't know what to do with you. That was too honest. <laughs> Um, But I realized that, you know, that a lot of people didn't have the verbiage for grief and going through, like, loss and change and rebirth and and, and understanding that life is cyclical. And so um, so my first two books for adults are about that, like, what it it looks like to grieve all kinds of things, the loss of a job or transition in your family um, or, you know, or a death and, um, and what it looks like for new life to kind of come out of that space. Um, and so those are my adult books. My my children's books I am so excited about because it, I just never in a million years thought I'd be a children's book writer. Um, but I, I uh, but yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to, I'm just, it's really exciting. I, I don't want to get too far ahead because we're going to talk about it a little bit, a lot in this next segment, but it, what a great idea for the book on, on teaching kids how to create healthy boundaries like that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was talking to um, who, the lady that's now my publisher, and I actually asked her to lunch to try to pitch another friend's book. I was like, I have a friend who I think has a really great book for your for your organization, and she she took the lunch, and she was like, I'll, I'll look at your friend's book, but also I really think you should be a children's book writer. And I was like, what? <laughs> Why? I have nothing to write about. And um, and I really, at that point, I didn't, but I had a daughter in third grade at the time, and she's in sixth grade now, and I started paying attention, like, well, you know, if I could write a book for my daughter, like, what, what lesson did I not learn well? What thing am I struggling with as an adult that I look back and think, you know, if I could have mastered that earlier, my life would have been easier. I probably would have hurt less people along the way. Um, you know, what is it that I want to give her? And, and this book is, is what I want to give her. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. We're talking right now with with um, Jenny Simmons, and she's got a new book out, which I can say no. And we're going to talk a little bit about that in the next segment. But I want to get back a little bit. You are a mom of two daughters. You've got two two mm-hmm. girls, which um, my wife uh, just phoned in and said she's very jealous because we have three boys. I never could pull off the girl <laughs> thing. But that you're, that must make your life incredibly wonderful and busy at the same time. Yeah, I, yes. Any parent, I think, can attest to that, especially this past year, because it has been one giant master class in figuring out how to parent in an absolutely different way in a different world. So it is. And I'm in grad school, so I, I'm juggling work okay. in grad school and the pandemic and the girls. It's been a lot. But I have a, a four-year-old and a sixth grader. Oh, goodness gracious. You are busy. Uh, you're also a chaplain that works mm-hmm. with children. Tell us a little bit about that. 
Yeah, so I'm in. Um, I'm finishing up my Masters of Divinity, and you know, I, I think I my kind of long term goal. My dad was a chaplain in the military, and um, and so I, I I would love to do hospital chaplaincy. Um, but I work with students who are in junior high and high school, and um, and it's been a it's been a hard year for them. So it's been a lot of um, a lot of hands on work this year. You know, you, you touched a little bit about your your. Your first two books were about grief, and you look at the last year, and, and mm-hmm. one sense I get just from just reading my Facebook feed is that people are all kind of going through in their own way, going through different stages of grief, because it seems like everybody mm-hmm. has lost something in this last year. Right. Yeah. I agree with that, and I, you know, I think the tragic part is that I, because of our sort of Western mindset of just like, just move on, like just pick yourself up, keep going. Um, a lot of times we don't grieve those things. We don't even know to name it. And so I'm, I'm with you. I, I'll look at people's feeds and I'm thinking, I wonder if they, if they know that this is a grief. I wonder if they know that this is actually worthy of like pausing and giving it some closure and giving it some tears or anger or, you know, going through all those phases. Because if we don't do that and we miss that and we just sort of stuff it down, then we just become these sort of volatile people with all these emotions that are stuffed down and we, we don't know to name it. And I think when we can name it finally, then we can grieve it and we can put it to rest so that something new can come out. I agree with you 110% on that. Tell us a little bit. You, you mentioned uh, the publisher of your new children's book is the, the, the National mm-hmm. Center for Youth Issues. Tell us a little bit about your relationship yeah. with the, that organization. Well, you know, I I hadn't heard of them until my friend, um, who is, you know, she was a hotshot publisher here in Nashville, worked with a lot of big people, and she went um, and started working for this company, and um, and I fell in love with it, and she did too. And she, you know, she said we were basically like servicing elementary, middle school, high schools all over the country and getting social emotional learning resources into their hands. Um, and so being able to equip teachers and school counselors and uh, librarians with books for students about everything, grief, suicide, um, ADHD, kids with learning um, setbacks. I mean, so they, they address a wide range of things. Uh, and usually the the authors are a lot of, of counselors and therapists. I'm sort of the, the odd woman out um, because I don't have training in that formally except for the uh, experience I have with students, you know, one-on-one. So I think the work that they do is really important. And I and I was sort of clueless how much teachers are spending out of their own pocket to resource their classrooms and their schools. Um, and so one of the things that I love that um, they do is they go into communities and the publishing house actually finds donors to donate funds to make sure that they have the resources they need in their classrooms. Oh, that's wonderful. Now, when you're obviously when your book's going to go into the classrooms, are you providing support? Do you do like Zooms with the te- the classes and with the teachers and so forth as well? Yeah, we do. Um, any they can write the publisher. There's a, a little uh, form on there, and I'm doing uh, like in person readings like over Zoom of the book. Um, and then one of the things too at the back of the book, this is one of the things that I love about the publishing house is um, they gave me a chance to write tips for educators and parents. And yeah. so it's it's sort of, it's, if you don't know how to talk to your student about the content in the book, like here's some ideas, here's some ways to get started. And then um, actually it was really interesting when I came up with an idea for the book, I started looking around thinking, surely somebody's already written this book, you know, like I, 
And I was surging high low, and I was like, oh, my gosh, no, nobody has written this for kids. Oh, this is crazy. But I came across a New York Times article written by Jessica Bennett, who's one of the editors at large there now, um, and it was called The No Club. And so it's a group of women at New York University professors there who were talking about how hard it is for women to say no because we sort of get a disproportionate amount of asks in the workplace that men don't get, and then yeah. also the pressure to say yes to that. And so these women said, you know, we're and we're bad at saying no, and so we've created our own no club, and we help each other sort sort through business um, decisions and practice saying no on one another. So the article is about how they how these grown women who are professors are actually having to have this no club so that they can practice on one another. And I was like, you know what? That is brilliant because a lot of times we don't say no because we ha- we don't know how to. You know, we ha- we actually haven't said it out loud before, and it's a little bit painful. And so one of the things that we're doing with the book is uh, encouraging students to create no clubs at their school so they can practice saying no to one another. I mean, I was just thinking about this when, when Michelle – first introduced me to your book and introduced me to what mm-hmm. we were going to be talking about today. I thought this is brilliant on so many different levels because number one, if you have a child that maybe has some esteem issues and then they grow up and mm-hmm. they don't know how to create those boundaries and don't know how to say no, they're going to end up failing because they're going to say yes to too many yeah. things and it's going to crush them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I know. I mean, we haven't jumped all the way in yet. And so I'll, I'll try to hold back, but yeah, if you don't know how to say this word, you are setting yourself up for a life of exhaustion, resentment, um, and, and getting yourself professionally into positions that you're not capable or qualified for because yeah. you didn't know. And yeah, because you couldn't say the word. No, I, I agree 100%. I mean, I, a few years ago, I had a big career transition, and I was desperate. And so I was saying yes to everything. And so, you know, you mm-hmm. were basically, I was doing a half half job on everything I was doing and I wasn't doing a good job and you've got to learn how to be able to hone that on focus we're talking right now with Jenny Simmons her new book is coming out is I can say no Jenny we might as well just go ahead and launch into it we're going to take a break here in a minute but um, (laughs) I'll tell you what we will take a break I hear the beautiful music so that's great we're going to come back and continue talking with author singer songwriter and native Jenny Simmons about her brand new book I can say no It's a children's book, but frankly, it's pretty darn good for adults as well. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. contractor ever tell you of the price of something and it sounds so high you think eh, maybe i'll try it myself some jobs just aren't that difficult and yes you can do it if you want to find out how to do those things listen to fix it 101 podcast everywhere this is an mpb think radio podcast Welcome back to this is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey from Mississippi Today. If you're just joining us today, we're talking with author, singer, songwriter, and Mississippi native Jenny Simmons about 
How You Can Master the Power of Saying No. Jenny, welcome back. The new book is I Can Say No. Congratulations on that. It's about to launch. And uh, I think you're going to be teaching some kids incredibly valuable skills. And we kind of touched a little bit on how the book came to be. And mm-hmm. talk about the actual process of sitting down and writing a children's book. Well, you know, this one sort of feels like cheating, honestly, because I, um, you know, I, I, I had that lunch with the um, with the publisher, and I went home and I started thinking, you know, what would I write a children's book about? Started paying attention to my daughter, and um, and I'll tell you a story in just a second about what happened between my daughter and I. But the actual writing of the book, it, I woke up in the middle of the night, <laughs> and I, it was like the name of the book came to me. And actually, it's, there's three books in the series. Um, and so three names came, and I was like, oh, of course, this is exactly what I'm supposed to write about. And then I, that just sort of sat there in the back of my mind for probably a year. You know, I, I was like, I think I'm going to write these books, and I think this is what they're supposed to be about. And I would just noodle it in my head. And one morning, again, it happened again. I woke up. It was probably 3 in the morning, and I was like, I think I'm supposed to write it. <laughs> and this is not usually how I function, but that's how it happened. And I wrote all three books in about an hour. I mean, it just sort of wow. flowed out. Yeah, that's never happened before. But I will say um, I have spent a good bit of my life just kind of always singing songs around the house and making up rhymes. I love rhymes. They just always kind of, I'm, I'm sort of that annoying person that, like, will turn anything into a rhyme. And so this was uh, – it, it was easier than I thought because I was like, oh, this is – it just sort of flowed out in this little rhyme. So I would think that um, no would that be a little was, bit easier – yeah, no would be a little bit easier to rhyme than, say, if you come up with a book about an orange. Right. right. Orange is hard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, very hard. That is a challenge. Yeah, I mean, seriously, so, that's amazing how creativity works like that, though, because, I mean, here, seriously, mm-hmm. you just – you know, people don't understand that. Sometimes we all come up with great ideas, but we don't pull the trigger on it. But when you did, you had built it had built up so much in, in your kind of your subconscious that, man, when you sat down, it just it just you went to town. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's that's it. You know, on one hand, I could be like, well, I just wrote a, three books in an hour and, you know, did no legwork. But the truth is that that stuff is sort of noodling around in your brain. I mean, you know that as a as a cartoonist like that, it, you see it, you know, it's like it's almost, right. almost like there's this vision in your head and you're working. It's working itself out in you before it finally just plops down on the paper. That's weird, too, because I think you just accurately described it. You see it totally in your head for me, and then I just put it on the paper. Or even when I'm writing a story, I completely see it in my head, and all I try to do is describe what I see in my head. So, And that's, yeah. that's exactly on that. Let's talk a little bit real quick. Why is it so hard for people to say no? I, I just, you know, it really does seem to be one of the hardest things to do. Yeah, isn't it? Well, you know, I, I think there, it comes from a lot of different reasons. So, you know, there's, I, I think, especially as a women, since we're talking women's month mm-hmm. here, you know, women, women of the South, especially, we're raised to be polite. We have good manners. We listen to authority. We obey. I grew up in a, you know, real traditional Southern Mississippi house where it was, yes, sir. No, you know, you did not talk back. You did not question. And so there's that, that part of you as a kid that, um, you know, you're raised to just be compliant. And I and I think there's definitely, we have to teach kids to be respectful and to follow authority and to be, you know, um, to not push back all the time. But if we, if, we, if we only teach kids to make decisions in life out of compliance, out of fear, um, then we're not actually giving them the, the 
skills that they need, equipping them to make decisions, to have preferences or desires or to act on that. And so I think some of that is just embedded from childhood. Um, but, you know, we don't want to disappoint people. I think there are a lot of times my daughter, you know, some of the stories that were happening for her, um, you know, she came home one day and she said, Mom, there's a kid chasing me on the playground and he's telling all the other boys that if he catches me, he's going to kiss me. And I was like, uh-uh, what are you going to do if he catches you? And she was like, well, I don't know. I don't want to embarrass him. I don't want to hurt his feelings. Oh, and that's wow. when it's sort of a light yeah, a light bulb went yeah. off in my head, and I thought, I've raised a sweet daughter and a kind daughter and a daughter who values other people's feelings, but if she does that at the expense of her own feelings, then we're in trouble. And so it's a hard line, I think, of, of raising humans um, that are respectful of other people, um, but, but know that that respect comes because they've respected themselves first. Well, it sounds like that some people actually feel like they're obligated to say yes. What are some of the reasons mm-hmm. that people want to do that? Yeah, I think I think you know we're we're also in a hustle society where where we reward kids that work hard, that do good, that you know that take on all this stuff. And so you know, I see a lot of kids, especially teenagers that I work with, um, who have a hard time saying no to coaches have a hard time saying no to teachers because they want to prove that they're smart enough, that they're good enough, that they can do basketball, football, baseball, that they don't need a break. And so when we've, when we've sort of raised children to, um, to prove their value by how much they can do, then they want to say yes because they want to show you how much they can do. And that, that, that's a recipe for burnout, you know? I mean, yeah. that, that, there are plenty of 30- and 40-year-olds who are reeling in their professional life, their personal lives, because they have not had any boundaries. They have wanted so desperately to prove how much they can do and accomplish, and they're exhausted. I think you really touched on something important. My kids are a little bit older than yours. My youngest is 13 and my mm-hmm. oldest is 20. But it's, there's so much pressure to make sure you get a good ACT score, that you're, you're yeah. active in a lot of different clubs, and, and that you're you know mm-hmm. getting good grades so you can get a scholarship. or you, you know, it's, I mean – and I've been very lucky. I mean, Amy and I've been very fortunate with our boys that they've been able to do well with this, but there's times when they look at us going, you know, waving their arms going, we need a break. And it's so different than like when we were kids, you know, and there were expectations, but now it's just, there's so much more pressure. So what you're saying is exactly Mm -hmm. right. And and you touched on the young girls and, and you know, I keep thinking about your daughter on the playground. I mean, imagine when she's 25 years old, what she would face in that scenario, you know? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, and that's, that's the problem, right? Is that, you know, there's so many adults who are reading this book and they're like, yeah, my kid needs it, but I need it. (laughs) Right. No, no, that's what Um, I was thinking too. I was like, I got to give me a copy of that. Yeah. Because if you didn't learn to say no, when you were 10 years old, if you didn't have a mom or dad or a teacher or somebody in your life saying, Hey, you, you don't have to let this kid kiss you. You can say no. And here's seven ways we can do it and practice it. Um, then you may be stuck at a party when you're 20 years old and not know how to get out of that situation. You may be in a bad, you know, situation, relationship, work experience um, as a 35-year-old, a 40-year-old, and you you don't have that thing inside of you where you have practiced and learned, like, I can say no in this situation, and here's exactly how I can do it. Well, there may be kids, too, that, that grow up, maybe they're in a, a household with some kind of trauma or whatever, and when they, they grow up and they have mm-hmm. self-esteem issues, too. And so they're totally mm-hmm. afraid to say no because they're afraid that nobody's going to like them or it'll fill into some kind of narrative that they've got in their head. So that's, that's another reason why this book is just brilliant. 
Thank you. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I've gone through a lot of therapy. I was telling Michelle last time, you know, I feel like I should have won an award for how many years I've been in therapy. <laughs> but if you have a trauma background at all, or you have a, a high A score, or you know, anything right. like that, that that profoundly affects your ability to say no. And that's one of the things that I was so happy to be able to say at the end of the book in these tips for educators and parents is that I think sometimes when you see somebody that's struggling to say no as an outsider, whether it's your child, your adult child, your your little kid, your best friend, you're looking at them thinking, oh my gosh, this is obvious. Just say no. Like it's not that hard. And I think it's sometimes it's easy to shame people inadvertently um, to shame them for not being able to say that no that you that you as an outsider are looking and thinking it's just a no brainer get out of that relationship or walk away from the situation. And I think it's important to remember that that people that are having a hard time saying no um, are having that hard time for a reason. <laughs> if, if they could say no easily, I guarantee you they would. And so it's so important to be able to look at those people with compassion and empathy and patience. You know, and say, man, I don't. I'm not in your shoes, but it must be really hard to be facing that decision right now. Exactly. They need to feel like they have somebody that has some empathy and caring and is supporting them a little bit before you. And I think you do a really good job with the book with that. But let me, how hard, how can people who have a hard time saying no start to change that habit? Mm, that's a good question. You know, so I think uh, a few things. One is just recognizing it. You know, one is, one is being able to stay in the moment hmm, I, something inside me does not want to say yes to this. And, and maybe you'll still say yes anyways, but at least you're recognizing that. Because I think sometimes people are saying yes so reactively, like involuntarily. It just, <laughs> they're just conditioned. It just comes out. And so just paying attention to your, to your mind, to your body. Like if your body's clenched up and tight and you're already feeling angry as your boss walks in the door because you know you're about to be asked to do something, you don't want to do start paying attention to that. I think too, with my daughter, you know, when we had that playground conversation, when I, I said, you could just say no. And she said, I don't, well, how would I do that? And I was like, well, you, you just say, <laughs> you just say no. Yeah, say no. Um, and, and I, but you know, I re- I realized like, Oh, she's, she's actually telling me here, she does not know how to say no. And so it, it was really eye opening to realize Sometimes we have to practice it. And that's one of the things my therapist has always said. And she'll say, you know, if you have a hard conversation coming up, practice it out loud in the mirror to yourself or with a friend. Because if you open your mouth to say that hard thing for the very first time in front of the person that you're terrified to say no to, it's just going to come out as a blubbery mess and you'll probably go back on it. And so practice it. You know, teach teach your kids. Like, here, here's five ways. Okay. And role play it. Role play with a best friend that hard conversation that you need to have. I think those are some just easy first steps to start recognizing, like, I'm saying yes when I don't want to, and to start practicing, and this is what it would feel like to say no. Like, this is how I could have that conversation. You know, one of the things as a parent sometimes I think it's, and, you know, I'm still going by the late 80s, early 90s paradigm of what it's like to be a kid yeah. as opposed to now when they're, they're faced yeah. with things at a much, yeah. age, you know, younger age than we are. Mm-hmm. So I think that I think that's probably what I really liked about the book is that you're targeting a younger age so that you'll prepare them for, like, say, when they're even in middle school and they might be faced with drugs or other issues that maybe that we yeah. as when we were kids never had to face. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think that's such a good point because it was 
that was the challenging part of writing the book once I finally got it down. And then I started going through it page by page, like, okay, is this realistic for kids today or not? You know, and, and finding that age appropriate level of teaching kids no. And I think a lot of parents and educators are like, wait a minute, my kid already says no. <laughs> right. So there, it also addresses that in the book. You know, there's places where it talks about you, you can't use no as a way to bully people or to be rude or disrespectful. There are time, there are moments in life we can't say no. Um, and so we, we cover that. But teaching kids at an early age, so with little things, like one of the examples in the book is um, if you're invited to go to a slumber party and you don't want to, it's okay to stay home and just sleep. You know, if you just want a Friday night at home in your bed watching movies, that's okay. And I think sometimes as parents, maybe the trap is that we want our kids to do something so that we look good, <laughs> so right. that we don't feel guilty. Uh, yeah. I'm, so I'm sorry. Them, I, I was I, nodding I my head them, just then, so yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, and so I think if we give them choice there, you know, like I really want my kid to go to my friend's child's birthday. But my child really, really doesn't want to, is not really that great of friends with them. I think if I can give my child that choice and, and honor the fact that she said no, like honor the fact that, you know, she, she doesn't want to watch this movie, instead of forcing her or making her or sweet talking to her, bribing her and giving her sort of that, uh, that leverage to have a preference at a young age, then you're right. That does set them up for growing up and being like, you know what? My, my family has honored when I say no in the past. So other people have to as well. Oh, that's, yeah, that's, that's awesome. So, okay. So you teach your child to say no, and then you say, okay, now go clean your room. And they turn around and say no to you. You have to kind of define right. that there, <laughs> that there are moments right. when they need to respect authority, correct? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. They, there are absolutely moments they have to respect authority, you know, and I think it's just even the, I don't know. It's, I, I think it's the way that we interact with kids, like, and, and them understanding there are things that you have to do to be a part of the family. You know, there are things that we have to do to be a part of society. We have to stop at red lights. You know, we have to we have to wear our seatbelts. There, there are rules that we have to follow, and there are rules that you have to follow in this house, too. You don't have to like it, um, but you do have to do it respectfully. <laughs> and, um, and there, you know, and so I think establishing that alongside of and – there are times that you get to have preferences and opinions and choices and we may not love that, but we're going to honor it. So like one, one thing I love Christmas lights. I love looking at Christmas lights. I think it's so fun. And my daughter this year, she was like, mom, I don't want to go look at Christmas lights. I hate it. It's wow. boring. I hate sitting wow. in the car. I don't like it. And I was like, yeah, but I love it. <laughs> I was really kind of crushed. You know, I was like, and she was like, I, she said, I would much rather stay at home and watch Christmas movies and have hot cocoa, and, like, that would be fun for me. And so we kind of came up with a compromise. I was like, okay, that, I want you to be able to have that. I also want to be able to look at Christmas lights. So I can either leave you at home by yourself and you don't have to come, or you can join me because it would be really fun to have you, and, and I won't go for as long. We can just go for, like, 20 minutes. And I was like, would that be a compromise you want to do? And she's like, yeah, okay, I can do that, you know? And so it wasn't like, you have to come with me, and it also wasn't, fine, you crush me. <laughs> it was, is there a way we can find a compromise that makes you happy and me happy that honors both of our preferences instead of just, I'm the parent, this is what I say, you have to do it. I was about to say, I could hear my dad saying, you're going to have fun or else, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, mine too, <laughs> exactly. It's like, okay, yes, I'll go have fun, I promise, but whatever on that. 
let me ask you, the illustrations in the book are great. They really are. They're very bright. Mm-hmm. They're, 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 they're vibrant, which I think is really important. I always think bright colors mm-hmm. for kids is perfect. Who was the illustrator and how did you end up choosing her to do the book? She did a great job. Thank you. Well, her name is Kristen Sora, and she is a illustrator and also fashion designer in New York wow. City. Yeah, she's she's brilliant. And um and honestly, um I'm in I, I said earlier I'm in graduate school and I am in a um it's a, an intentionally racially diverse um women's cohort. And so there are six African American women, um, two white women and one Hispanic. And my time with them, honestly, I've learned more from them than I have the classes that I've been in. And one of the things that we talk about a lot is um you know, is is representation and how much representation matters. And, and to hear these women who have become my friends say, you know, I never grew up seeing a picture book with black kids in it. I never grew up seeing a picture book with kids of different ethnicities. Like it was all white kids, um, you know, or I haven't seen a children's book recently with an illustrator that's a woman of color. And so I, I've been paying attention to their voices and realizing how um, – how how much representation matters and how much extra work it takes. So even as I started looking at illustrators, I was like, wait a minute, where are the women of color? Like, I know they're out there. I know they, I know they draw. I know they, I know they do this. And so it became sort of an important thing for me to have a woman, um, to have a woman of color if I could, um, just to be able to represent diversity. And I think especially my cohort mates have, have taught me, you know, that they've had to learn how to say no under extraordinary circumstances. And and so I've learned a lot from them, and it was important to me to find somebody um, that had lived that experience that could maybe bring that to the book in a, in a special and unique way. Well, I think one of the things about saying no is it allows you to kind of hone the playing field a little bit. And, it, and if you'd have gone with, like, the first thought or the first choice and saying no to mm-hmm. that – you wouldn't have been able to end up with a great illustrator like you did. So congrats. The book hasn't yeah, officially you. debuted yet. It'll be released coming up this Thursday, correct? Right, this Thursday, yeah. Oh, very good. Congratulations. And where can people purchase Thank the you. book? Um, they can go to uh, Amazon, Target, Walmart, any place you, you buy books. But the fun thing is if you go, if you pre-order it this week before it comes out on any of those websites, you can go to the website ICanSayNo.com and enter in your receipt information. And when you do that, it qualifies you to get a free resource bundle. It's a PDF package that will come to your email, and you can open it up and print it off if you want to. Um, and it's really fun. There is a game in there that uh, my daughter and I actually made up. It's called the No Game. It's really fun. So you can cut that out. There's coloring sheets. So some of the most beautiful pages in the book we've put in there in just black and white so kids can color it. And then I'll be posting those on social media. Um, quizzes, journal, art, you know, like journal pages for kids to write on. So just a lot of fun little things that you can do with your kids if you pre-order it and then go to ICanSayNo.com and put in that information. It's time for our final break, so don't go far, but when we get back, we're going to talk to Jenny and let us know a little bit about how you can get your own No Club in your community going. Plus, Mm -hmm. we'll tell you how you could receive a copy of her wonderful children's books, I Can Say No. So stay tuned. This is Now You're Talking on MTV Think Radio. 
Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. You're listening now. You're talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey of Mississippi Today. And this morning, we've had the pleasure of talking with author Jenny Simmons about her new and very important children's book, I Can Say No. Uh, Jenny, thank you so much for joining us today. And it's really been a good show so far, and I appreciate you being here. Look, let's talk a little bit more about the no club thing. I, I love the whole <laughs> concept. Um, yeah. How can people start one of their own? Oh, I think this is so fun. Yeah, in in the book, there's like a, a layout on one page where it shows all these kids in the library and the teacher, and they're in pairs and they're practicing saying no. And so, um, you know, what we're encouraging students to do, and part of the download package that I was saying that you can get if you pre-order the book, gives directions for kids to start the No Club. And it's really just an after-school club at your at your school where you practice. You invite students that have a hard time saying no but maybe have a big decision coming up and they don't know whether to say yes or no to it. Um, and it gives them the space to sort of talk through, okay, what are the pros, what are the cons? Um, one of the things that's really important for a student, and, and one of the things that is so important about saying no is that when you start finally saying no to things that, that don't serve you, that don't so, sort of serve your dreams and where you're going, you get rid of all that extra stuff that's keeping you from going forward. And so we want kids to be able to dream big, you know, like, what do I want to do in junior high and high school? Like, do I really want to be in band or really want to be in soccer? Well, does this, doing this thing that I'm being asked to do, does it help me get to that place or not? And so helping kids dream is part of being in the no club. Where do I want to go and what do I want to do? What do I love? Who can I serve? And, you know, what would that look like? And then helping them to realize, okay, you know, what stands in the way of that or what helps me get to that and how do I say yes and no? And then you can practice on the peers that are there. Like, you know, I'm having a hard time with this student and I need to ask him to stop kicking my chair, (laughs) you know, but I don't know how to do that. So can I practice on you how to say, no, I do not want you to do this. Um, And so I think it's just an, an important way for students to be able to come together and, and realize that no is a hard thing to do. It's hard for adults. It's hard for kids. Um, but that there's ways to practice it and get confident in being able to say no. What I think is so brilliant about the concept is that here you go, you have kids that are worried about saying no and they're, they want to say yes because they want to fit into a group. Well, it instantly yeah. gives them a group that will support them when they do say no. And I was like, that's that's pretty good. That's replacing one group with another one that's actually a little healthier. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, just having having a cheerleading team behind you whether that's your, you know, a parent, a grandparent, a, a group of peers at school cheering you on when you're about to say that hard no, that that changes everything. Because then you don't feel well, alone. Then you feel supported. Exactly. Exactly. And you definitely yeah. want to have your parents and your teachers in on your side, too. So that's pretty important to cultivate that as well. You touched a little bit on the resource bundle uh, before we went into mm-hmm. the break a little bit. I mean, tell us, get, go into depth again about it because, I mean, there's some really nice, nice things in it. 
Yeah, well, I, I think it's so fun. So one of the things that's in there is a quiz. I think it's two or three pages long, but it helps you even go through it with your kids or the kids in your classroom. Um, and it helps them realize, you know, kind of where they land on saying no. Are they, is it their superpower? Are they still working on it? Or do they need like a little bit more help? So that's kind of fun. And that comes after years of reading uh, American Girl magazine with my daughters. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, oh, these quizzes are great to write. So there's a quiz in there. There's a journal sheet that I love that you can print out and use over and over again for multiple situations. And it and it's just sort of walking you through, you know, where do I want to be right now? Have I said a, a no recently or a yes recently that I didn't want to say? How could I have said no to it? Um, you know, and so it sort of walks kids through that. So that's a great resource um, just to be able to help your child go through the process of how, how could I say no? And so there's just things like that, a quiz, um, the journal sheets, coloring sheets, which are so beautiful. Uh, it's a, just a fun little package to have at home. So you're now, you know, you've written a book on no. And so you, mm-hmm. you've created a no clubs. You've created a no curriculum. <laughs> Tell us a little bit. Do you still find times when it's hard for you to say no? Oh, my gosh, all the time. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, you know, honestly, when this book sort of came to me, I thought, no, I'm not the person for that. I'm terrible at saying no. I'm working on it. Um, I'm aware that it's a problem, but, like, I'm not your girl for that. There's got to be somebody out there who's like, no. <laughs> you know, whereas me, somebody's knocking on the front door, and I'm like, oh, dear God, I have to hide in the bathroom because I cannot say no to your vacuum or your encyclopedias or Whatever it is that you're here to sell, I will say yes to it. So I can't even open the door. So I, you know, I feel like how I ended up writing this book is beyond me, Uh, except that I think, um, you know, sometimes we create art because we've lived through it. And sometimes we, we create art because we want to live into it. And and that's this book for me is that I'm living into this book just as much as the kids are. But I think there's something more real about that because you've experienced it. Like for instance, my cousin, he went bankrupt and he wrote a book about how not to go bankrupt and the rest is history. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty, pretty easy on that. We're, We're down to the last minute. Um, what do you hope your parents, teachers, children's, and everybody else take away from the book? Mm, Man, I hope that they take away that they are inherently worth saying no for, that their dreams matter, their preferences matter, their ideas matter. You know, the little girl in the book, you know, somebody asked her, do you want to join uh, the reptile club? And and she has this little look on her face and she's like, "Mm, I think I'm going to try the art fair. And I love that page because I want a kid to see that and think, you know what? When it comes down to two things, I get to choose what is, makes me come alive, what makes me happy. And I, and I hope that I, a child walks away thinking, if saying no means I can get to that thing and do that thing that I love, I think I'm, gonna, I think I'm worth saying no for. The book is I Can Say No. Jenny, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, look forward to talking to you sometime in the future. This was great. Thanks. I would, I would love that. Thanks, Marshall. All right, if you missed part of today's show or like to hear it again, you can listen to the podcast at mpbonline.org. Now Your Talking is produced by Michelle McAdoo, so stay tuned. Coming up is Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit with Josie Bidwell. And join us next week at 10 a.m. for more great conversations. This is Now You're Talking on MPB. Thank you.